Our reading this evening comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35, and that's page 1048 in the Church Bibles. Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus, and in turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Let me start in a word of prayer. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father God, we pray that you will be opening up our ears this evening to hear what you have to say to us from your word. Open our ears, soften our hearts, that we may hear you speaking to us and know how you want us to respond, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're asking, is it worth it? Lately, I've been slowly trying to uh, bring Sarah around to the idea of getting a cat or a dog. I've been trying to open her eyes up to the joys of having a furry friend or a walking companion. But inevitably, she reminds me of the cost, the cost of accidents around the house, of the shedding of fur and the shredding of furniture, of the vet bills. And inevitably, I come to the conclusion that a pet isn't worth it, at least for now. But a little more seriously, perhaps you're thinking of moving house. You've got a new place all lined up, more space, a bigger garden, and the all-important additional bathroom. But think of the cost, the cost of having to move the kids from the school, the cost of having to leave behind your neighbours and friends, the increased mortgage saying goodbye to your home and all of the memories. Is it worth the cost? Or maybe you're thinking of changing job or going for a promotion. The promise of a pay rise, more respect, a team working beneath you. 
But think of the cost. The cost of having to work longer hours. The cost of seeing family and friends less. Having to travel more. Is it worth the cost? It's when we stand on the precipice of such decisions that we find ourselves asking that question. Is it worth it? Well, here this evening we're presented with a much greater dilemma and a much more serious choice to make. In verse 33 of our passage in Luke 14, it's page 1048 if you close your Bibles, we see the heart of what we're looking at today. Jesus says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. To be his followers, Jesus says, you have to give up everything. But think of the cost. Is the cost of following Jesus worth it? As we look to our passage, note the large crowds mentioned at the beginning of verse 25. Now, a lot of those present will have been those who had been there when Jesus performed his miracles. Those who had seen the healings, received the free food miraculously provided, and they want more of the same. And so Jesus, who had been focusing on the religious leaders and speaking to them over the last couple of chapters, now turns his attention to the large crowd that is following him. He speaks to them because he wants to give them a wake-up call, a reality check, a reality check to what really, what it really means to follow him. Jesus wants all those present to see what it is to be one of his disciples, to count the cost. To get across just how important it is to count the cost before starting out on something, Jesus gives two examples, a building in construction and a king at war. North Korea is very much in the news at the moment with the summit between Trump and King, uh, Kim Jong-un now scheduled for June. But back in 1987, North Korea was in the news for a different reason. Construction on the Raigingyong Hotel had begun. At the time, it was to be one of the tallest towers in the world. But in 1992, building was halted due to an economic crisis at the time. And then nothing for 16 years. It wasn't until 2008 that the work finally recommenced. And the exterior of the 105-storey building was complete at last in 2011. But the grand opening never went ahead as again the money had run out for the interior of the building. It's now officially the tallest unfinished building in the world. Over 30 years and still nothing to really show for it. That's the importance of counting the cost. That's what's going on here in Jesus' story in verse 29. Have a look at it. Jesus says, For if he lays the foundation is not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Jesus says, count the cost before you start something that you won't be able to to finish. Similarly, we see this story of the king 
who counts the cost in verse 31 to verse 32. Not the financial cost of buildings, but the cost of human life. And whether or not he would be able to win a war. Whether or not he should go into battle or negotiations. If he doesn't count the cost, the loss of life could be catastrophic. Jesus' illustrations are clear, aren't they? Count the cost. Ask yourself, is it worth it? And going back to the heart of our text this evening in verse 33, we see that we very much need to count the cost for ourselves as we look to follow Jesus and be his disciples. Are we willing to give up everything? Everything we have. Count the cost. Is it worth it? As we look in more detail at these verses, we'll see exactly what everything really means as Jesus highlights three key areas where we are to count the cost of following him. And you'll see those on the handout. The cost of prioritising Jesus, the cost of suffering for Jesus, the cost of being distinct for Jesus. Firstly then, we see the cost of prioritising Jesus in verse 26. And from the offset, it's really hard-hitting. Jesus doesn't save the tough stuff to the end. No, rather, he starts off by telling his listeners to come to him and be his disciples. To do that, you must hate your father, your mother, your wife, your husband, your children, your brothers, your sisters. What on earth is going on here? Maybe that's your question as Fiona read out those verses to us. Is this a genuine call to hate our family members from Jesus? We look to the character and teaching of Christ and we know that can't be the case. The man who taught us to love our enemies isn't now calling us to despise and reject our family members. So what is Jesus saying here when he speaks of hate? The language is strong, isn't it? Language of hate. But it's used to call us to love. It's a call to love Jesus more. Love Jesus more than everything and anyone else. Following Jesus is to be the disciples' first love. A first love that everything else must come second to. And it's this first love which is to have priority over all our friendships, and even over our relationships with our family members. This language of hate makes more sense when we recognise the context. Go back 2,000 years, and there could be no casual following of Jesus. There was no box to tick in the national census saying, I'm a Christian, and that's it. No, to follow Jesus at the time as a Jewish person would have very much meant having to renounce one's family, or at least recognising that the family would renounce you if you prioritised Jesus. In other words, for this crowd here, who Jesus is speaking to, it was love your family, or love Jesus. Love Jesus and hate your family. But what does it mean for us? The context may be different here in Basingstoke, But the meaning is still the same. If our families, our parents, spouses, children, siblings are our first loves, 
are the things that we prioritize above all else, then we are not truly following Jesus. The choice is family first or Jesus first. The cost of following Jesus is to give up prioritizing our families as number one. But it doesn't just stop with family. No, Jesus goes on to say that if we're going to be a true follower of him, we've also got to hate our own lives as well. It's that language of hate again, which again is not a call to despise ourselves or to wish that we were someone else. No, like with our families, Jesus is calling us to make our number one him, even over ourselves. If the entry requirements weren't hard enough, they've just got a whole lot harder. Jesus makes it plain. He is to be our first love, our number one priority, the driving force in our lives, even above ourselves, above our own dreams, desires, ambitions, above what we want. And in the highly individualized society that we live in today, that is such a tough calling to follow. From coffee to technology, from our sexuality to our gender, we live in a time when it's all about me, what I want, how I want it, when I want it. In the context of your Monday tomorrow, this call cannot be more counter-cultural. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you need to love yourself less and love me more. We'll all be familiar with how medals are given out to those who have just finished a race at the Olympics. There's the podium with the champion in the middle, above the rest, higher than second and third. We'll picture that Olympic medal podium as our hearts, our minds, our lives. Jesus says, unless I'm in first place on the top of that podium with your family and yourself in second and third, then you're not a disciple. Do you feel the weight of that? Do you see the cost of following Jesus? Is it worth it? Well, secondly, we see in verse 27 the cost of suffering for Jesus. Giving up everything means giving up our comfort. Jesus says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He's making that point that if we're going to follow in his footsteps, then we're going to have to be willing to tread where he trod, walk where he walked, suffer as he suffered. In the world that hated and rejected Christ, then why would we expect anything else as Christians, as Christ followers? It's a trivial example, but if Liverpool Football Club were to take a rare and highly uncharacteristic defeat, the opposing fans are giving the players stick as they leave the pitch, Jurgen Klopp, the managers, having to face the music in the interviews, As loyal fans, Tim and I know that in the week, at some point, Rob is going to poke his head around the door and he's going to be giving us grief as well. If Liverpool suffer, why would we as Liverpool fans expect anything else? 
As I said, it's a trivial illustration for the serious topic of suffering, but it captures what we are to expect as Christians. If we're going to follow Jesus, then we need to be willing to bear the cross that he bore. What it looks like will vary massively for us here and now. It's unlikely to look like physical persecution, as it did for Jesus' disciples, and as it does for thousands of Christians around the world today. But don't be mistaken that because we live in Kushti Basingstoke, that there isn't a cross to bear. The cross of not getting that promotion at work because you're not willing to work on Sundays. The cost of not getting that first team place because, again, you can't train on Sundays. The, the cost of being looked down upon because of what you believe. Bearing the cross of being labelled as antiquated, bigoted, arrogant, stupid. Following Jesus will cost us our comfort. We will have to bear the weight of suffering. Count the cost. Is it worth it? Thirdly, moving over those two pictures that Jesus gives of counting the cost that we looked at earlier, we see then in verse 34 the cost of being distinct for Jesus. Giving up everything means giving up on fitting in. Here Jesus gives the crowd another illustration. Moving on from counting the cost of buildings and wars, Jesus now speaks of salt. I think I'm right in saying that Jesus never went into uh, McDonald's. And yet I really feel like he gets us here in this verse when he says salt is good. We agree, don't we? It makes our food taste great. As a nation, this is horrifying, I found this out this week, we consume 200,000 tonnes of salt every year. Salt is good, Jesus says, and we nod our heads. But what if salt loses its saltiness? What if your McDonald's chips don't taste as good as they should do? Well, there's only one thing to do. Chuck it out. It's useless. It's lost its distinctive taste. It's good for nothing. Jesus says, indistinct salt, verse 35, is fit for neither the soil nor for the manure pile. It can't even be used as fertiliser. It is thrown out. And the point is clear. If, as Jesus' followers, we are no different from the world, if we speak, act, and think as the world does, then we are useless as disciples. We are salt that has lost its saltiness. We're not following Jesus at all. To follow Jesus is to be distinct, is to be different. To give a world that doesn't know God that distinct flavour of Jesus. And that comes at a cost. Because it's hard to stand out. The majority of the time, we'd much rather not be noticed. We'd rather just follow the crowds, go with the flow, laugh at the jokes that everyone is laughing at, watch what everyone else is watching, listen to the things that everyone else is listening to, agree with what's being said in our RE lessons, concur with our colleagues on the outlook of the world. 
But that's not what it is to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus. No, Jesus says here that we are to be different and distinct. Salt that is salty. We need to count the cost. Is it worth it to be salty salt? So, we get to the end of these verses, and we're feeling pretty weighed down, aren't we? Maybe like me, you feel like a failed follower. We look at our lives, and we ask ourselves, am I prioritizing Jesus over everything else, over everyone else? We ask ourselves, am I willing to give up my comfort and suffer for Jesus? We ask ourselves, am I willing to be distinct, to be different, to stand out? And the answer to those questions is all too often, no. If we're being real with ourselves, we'll see all too easily that all too often we fall short of the mark. Rather than prioritizing Jesus, he comes in second, third, fourth place on the podium of our hearts. Rather than bearing our cross, we look to avoid suffering. Rather than being distinct, we all look to blend in and seek acceptance as we follow the crowds. If you're anything like me, then you'll feel pretty, like a pretty rubbish disciple of Jesus. You'll feel like you don't really have anything to bring Jesus at all. You have nothing to offer Jesus. But that's the point. That's exactly what Jesus is trying to get across to the crowds here. When it comes to us and God, we have nothing to bring. We simply have to cling to Christ. As we saw last week, if we think we have something to bring, or if we think we're good enough for God, then we won't accept that invitation to the banquet. We won't receive that gift of salvation through Jesus. Ultimately, we won't go to that banquet, that wonderful heavenly feast. We won't spend spend eternity with God in the new creation. Tim showed us last week that we simply have to cling to Christ. Unless we come completely empty-handed, trusting solely in Jesus, then we will never be at that banquet. Well, in the same way, we've seen tonight that as we look to follow Jesus, we have to follow empty-handed, not clinging to our priorities, not clinging to our comfort, not clinging to that sense of fitting in. We have to cling to Christ and Christ alone. Jesus says in verse 33 that those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. We come to that banquet not holding on to our good works and not clinging on to all the things that this world clings on to. Come simply and solely through Jesus. As we draw to a close, let me tell you about a man called Lawrence. Lawrence was someone who wanted to explore the Peruvian mountain range along the Inca Trail in South America. He planned to climb to the summit of Machu Picchu, which hopefully there will be a picture of behind me. That's it, if you don't know what it looks like. To see the ancient city and to take in the amazing views from 14,000 feet up. 
that's three times the height of Ben Nevis. Lawrence thought he had the trip and routes all planned out. But in reality, he had absolutely no idea what he was doing. He was completely inexperienced. There was no way that he was going to make it to the top by himself. Well, thankfully for Lawrence Day, there was a local guide who offered to take him on the dangerous journey. He guaranteed his safety. He guaranteed to get him to the top. And he offered to do it for free. He refused any reward. But he also gave Lawrence some conditions. He said that for the duration of the journey, Lawrence had to completely give himself over to him, to completely trust his guide. He also had to give him all his possessions and provisions to look after and agree to obey, to do whatever he said without hesitating. Fair enough conditions. But all had Lawrence's safety in mind. Now, can you imagine if Lawrence turns around and says, well, all right, thanks, actually. I should be able to make it up by myself, all okay. It'd be a fatal error, wouldn't it? A wrong turn, altitude sickness, a misplaced foot, and it's all over for Lawrence. Now, for Lawrence to reach the top and to be able to take in those breathtaking views, he had to place himself solely in the hands of his guide. He couldn't carry the weight of his own things. He had to give it all up and trust and obey the one who promised to get him to the end. With those conditions in place, Lawrence and his guide, well, they successfully completed their journey together. It's a picture, and we can lose that picture now, but it's a picture that perfectly captures this situation here. Jesus guarantees to bring every one of his disciples safely through life's journey and to take them to heaven's banquet. He offers to take us there free of charge, but we have to recognize that we can't get there ourselves. To try and make it on our own steam, on our own good works, is well, going to be even more disastrous than Clueless Lawrence climbing the mountain by himself. It can only end in death. We have to accept Jesus, recognizing that we can't do it ourselves. We bring nothing ourselves. We have to place ourselves solely in his hands. We have to cling to Christ. And we also need to give up everything we have to him. Our priorities, our comfort, our sense of fitting in. Everything has to be handed over to him as we seek to follow him. Just as Lawrence made it to the top to take in those amazing views, empty-handed, clinging to his guide every step of the way. We will only make it to that wonderful banquet, that heavenly feast, if we come empty-handed, clinging to Christ. Clinging to Jesus, the one who prioritized the will of his Father, even over what he wanted to do, even over what his family wanted him to do. Jesus, the one who suffered more than we can ever fully understand or comprehend. He bore the cross, giving up all sense of comfort. 
Jesus, the one who came as the Messiah. He was as distinct and as different as they get. It is as Jesus gave up those things, his priorities, his comfort, his sense of fitting in, it was then that he was achieving our salvation. Jesus counted the great cost and he paid it for us. He paid it all. And with that in mind, we can count the cost as we look to our hope of heaven, empty-handed, clinging to Jesus. We can say that the cost is worth it. And there's no denying, I'm not trying to dress it up. Discipleship is costly. And before we embark on the journey, we have to count the cost. It really is costly, both at the beginning and all the way along the road. Being a follower of Christ is hard. Jesus never hid that fact. In fact, he clearly exposes it here. But he's gone before us. He's, he's given us everything so that we can come empty-handed, cling to him, and look ahead to the hope of heaven that is ours in Jesus. Have you counted the cost? Are you clinging to Christ and to Christ alone? Let me pray. Father God, this evening we have recognised the cost of being your disciple. And yet we look to your son Jesus and we recognise that he paid that cost for us. He suffered on the cross so that we could come empty-handed, clinging to him and to him alone, and one day know that heavenly banquet for ourselves. We pray that we will solely put our trust in you, not in our good works, and not in the things that this world offers. We ask that in your name. Amen.